When you want black and gold football talk, you want SNR. Welcome back to Hour 2 of our special training camp report show. Jerry Dulac for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steeler Radio Network with you along with the coach, Tom Bradley, my uh, old Monday night quarterback partner, who we will be teaming up again once the regular season begins, along with Tim Ben, the three-man show. Uh, this year we'll be broadcasting on location, and we will be looking forward to that. The Steelers opening, uh, yeah, opening, having their first home preseason game, their only home preseason game, Saturday night against the Detroit Lions, 7.30 p.m. kick at the Heinz Field. Ben Roethlisberger will make his first and only appearance uh, of the preseason, and um, I don't know how much of uh, the new offense people are going to see, probably about as much as you saw uh, coach in the first two preseason games. But, um, you know, he'll get back out there, and I'm curious if um, – if there's anybody, and before we start talking about the defense, if there's anybody that you were eager or curious to see based on what you've seen the first two games. No, I'm just, I'm just going to see how they're going to go from one game to the next. You know, what's going to be the next thing they add in their base package as they move forward here. I'm sure they're going to show a, a something else, a little bit of a – and even, you know, a lot of times um, something they just want to work on or want to take a look at is what I'm going to really be interested to see you know, what Coach Canada uh, wants to really maybe either zero in on or or wants to take a good look at. So, excuse me, Coach, they're at three games now, will be. They kind of have an idea. They're still a long way away from 53. They have a pretty good idea at this point. But they are zeroing in a little bit more on the guys they are intrigued by at this point. Yeah, I think they have to. They, they've got to get their guys ready to, to you know, some of the guys, you know, how long they play them, the older group of guys. I think that's the balancing act that comes in here, you know, because some guys, you know, don't need as much as the other vets, and, and you've got to really figure that out to make sure that um, everybody's – a lot of guys just have a different way of getting ready for that opening game. And um, uh, we saw uh, Dwayne Haskins last week, Coach, come in the game – Steelers are down 13-0. He, he takes them on four consecutive scoring drives. Puts up 24 points. Steelers win 24-16 in Philadelphia. And he looked pretty good, <clears throat> let's face it. Um, he's very accurate, very productive. Moved the team, long drives, whether in yardage or plays. And um, did just about everything he was asked to do, including, according to Mike Tomlin, going through his reads and progressions, which was kind of the knock against him in Washington. Okay, I know it's the preseason. I know he's going against the other guys, second and third teamers. But you have to you have to acknowledge, did okay. But he good. had success. I right. mean, he can't help but who's on the other side. He's just got to worry about himself. And I was impressed with uh, watching him play. I, I, I really think that that's a, a, a good situation for the Steelers, although I still think by the time the season starts it. I think that Mason will be two. I just have that feeling, and 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 Dwayne will be three. Uh, it's just how I I look at it, but um, that could change. Okay. As no, you know. I agree with you. I don't even think there's a uh, people always want to ask, but I don't think there's a battle for number two. The job is Mason Rudolph's, and the only way that would change is the way it changed two years ago when Ben got hurt. Is that the job was then Mason Rudolph's, and then he struggled for a game and a half. And he had the incident in Cleveland, of course, you know, with uh, Miles Garrett. 
And then he comes back the following week, throws a couple picks in the first half. And uh, Mike Tomlin comes out in the second half and, and, and starts uh, uh, Doc Hodges. That's the only way that's going to happen is if something happens to Ben, Mason Rudolph has to play, and he struggles. And then they feel they need a spark and they need to do something different. Otherwise, they're not going to make that jump right now. They're just not going to take that leap of faith because they're totally comfortable with Mason Rudolph. Yeah, and, and, and uh, if you've been around Mason, he's a first-class guy. As you know, you, you've, you've seen him in the locker room a lot. He's a really he's a good teammate, and he's a guy that I, I really think that is uh, getting to the point where he's going to be really ready to, to be that guy. Uh, and that's – I think it's a good situation they have. Everybody keeps talking about it like it's a bad situation. I think it's a really good situation to, to what they have at quarterback right now. They've got what I think are, you know, besides the Hall of Fame guy, you got two really quality guys uh, as backups in case something would happen. And yeah. a lot of people don't have that, and, that luxury, as you know. And, Coach, when Mason Rudolph has started, they're, they're, they were 5-3. and three. Last year, when Ben was hurt, last year he plays the last game against a desperate Cleveland team, a playoff team. He's playing without a lot of his starters, and he has wonderful game. Three touchdowns or two touchdowns, 300 yards passing. Plays very well against the Browns and almost beats them. Um, to me, that erases any doubt anybody would have about whether this guy can succeed. Is he Ben Roethlisberger? Is he a Hall of Famer? No. But um, – to me, and I've said this many times, I think he's Neil O'Donnell. You can win with Mason Rudolph. You can go uh, ten and six, or in today's NFL, eleven and six with seventeen games. You may not go to a Super Bowl, although Neil O'Donnell did, depending on what kind of defense you have. But you can win with Mason Rudolph. And yeah, maybe you're always you're waiting for that one special player to replace him, but. I think Mason Rudolph has showed that he could be a winning quarterback in the NFL. The one thing about Mason that always sticks out is he's very prideful how he goes about his work. Uh, you know, and I think that he's – I look for Mason to just keep getting better and better, uh, you know, with every opportunity that he gets. Uh, he, you know, obviously when he was thrown in the fire in some difficult situations, uh, but he, he's going to be better for it. And I, I, I think that just – as he gets more familiar with how everything's working through what he's got to get done, you know what I mean? I think this is a really a, a good learning experience. And not only that, but, you know, he's, he's in a room with Ben, which helps and those guys and, 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 and Dwayne, who apparently has you know, just got some great talent too. So it's a really good situation for the Steelers, as I said earlier. You know, when you look at how Mason Rudolph played last week, Coach, yeah, in the three possessions he was in, they didn't score. But two of those first possessions, the those holding penalties killed the drive. Right. And so maybe they do score. Uh, but it was a holding penalty on Pat Fryermuth. And I can't remember who had the other one. Um, but it killed another long run by Najee Harris. And and but otherwise it was like seven of nine for however many yards. He had the long long pass down the sideline to Deontay Johnson. And when he's played, he's he's looked very good. And I don't I don't you know, usually in most towns, coach, the number two guy is the quarterback's most popular guy. In <laughs> yes, town. he is. That's true. That's not the case there, and I, no. I don't, I don't quite get it. Not that you're looking to replace Ben, although those, those, those people after the season, and I'm being kind, calling them people who thought they should move on from Ben. Um, there, there's not this clamor for Mason Rudolph. As soon as they signed Dwayne Haskins, everybody wants him to replace Ben. 
I don't get it. Well, he's always the second guy's always the most popular until he plays. Okay, and then it it, it changes, and it, uh, it's just that it's the nature of that position. It's, it's what happens. It's always the way it's been, and it'll continue to be in football. Coach and I enjoying some uh, scallops on the stone here, uh, here at the North Shore well, Tavern. That's, they're really good, aren't they? I can see you keep eating my. You, that, you yeah, it's always impressed me how you can do that. You're lagging a little. I don't want. I, I'm trying to work here, but you you can do both. You're I'm talented. worried. You're very I'm talented. worried that the minute I take a bite, you're going to stop talking. <laughs> and then I and I then see, I, I got to. You see, I know there. how to do that now. Do you notice I that sure I've learned so. how to do that over the years? Well, I learned from years of of uh, uh, doing shows with Wolf, who would eat constantly and still is the world's <laughs> greatest eater that uh, that I have ever seen. That is, that is for sure. But if you stop, uh, you stop here at the North Shore Tavern. Well, I did a, a, a show this. with Wolf once down in Latrobe, and he was uh, he ordered the Patagonian toothfish. <laughs> where where was that? What show? What place? It was outside of Latrobe. I forget where we oh, were. Oh, I at bet the time. I know where you were. But yeah. it was just uh, I had so much fun that night with him on the show. And, and you're right, you know, Wolf can he's a pretty good eater. He's the, he is, and and you know, uh, Coach, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, it was I know where it was. Uh, at Damon's in Bridgeville, when we used to do, he and I did Monday Night Quarterback, and I've had several partners, including you, for that. But we were at Damon's right by the bottle shop. And Wolf, during a broadcast, and you've been to a Damon's, correct? You know what they're like. He had three racks of ribs, and not the half a slab. <laughs> he had the full three during the show. And he ate one of them during a commercial break. He ate those wings the way most people eat little wing dings. He goes, one, I saw one and it's gone, and he just incredible it, eating. It used to be an amazing. He's one of the, my favorite people of all time, just to, to be with him. Oh, there's no question. And, and really enjoyed, uh, uh, you know, had had a lot of a lot of fun with him on the show, and then look forward to working with him again. Uh, but I don't know the eating part. He, he's a champion. Oh, without question, he has boundless energy, enthusiasm, and as he likes to say, positivity. That's a word, right? He usually makes up words, but I think that's a word. Yeah, we'll give that's, it to him. That's we'll give him that we'll, word. Yeah, and we're glad to have him uh, back in the booth, of, of course, uh, for his good friend and our friend, Twinch Yilkin, who we send our prayers out to, uh, Twinch. And uh, Max Starks back with the team. He's on the sidelines. Speaking of big boys, Max is a very large man and a great guy. Uh, terrific player, and glad to have him back, too, on the sidelines during the game. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I called Wolf after the game. I said, I got to listen to you on the radio and watch a game on TV. That's just amazing. There's like two different games going on at the same time. <laughs> he started laughing. But uh, he would do a great job. He, he's really uh, a guy that's very knowledgeable about his, his craft and knows what he's doing. So it's been, he's been through it on all different levels, and so it's going to be an exciting time. And, and I'm sure that booth will get very interesting at times. I'm sure it will. Coach, let's look at the uh, the other side of the ball now. Let's look at the defense. Let's look at, at it on the whole. Um, are there where are the strengths of this defense heading into this season, and where might there be uh, some of the concerns, if you will? Well, you know, the one thing about this defense is, you know, people have asked me a lot about players, but one thing I've kind of learned over the years is the best player on the team is the team. And this defensive team has got a lot of good players on it. I, I think the uh, one of the things they did when they traded for the Schobert, got him for a six-round pick, was that added some depth to that position. I think they said, hey, we just got to get a little depth here in the position. You know, we've got uh, 
Devin coming off an injury, uh, you know, you you look at your front four, uh, you look at Cam and the low, low and to it and TJ. Uh, I don't think uh, you trade those four for anybody else in the league four up there. Uh, Alex Highsmith, you know, Alex is a new guy. You got Melvin Ingram behind him. Alex is a guy that's got, is really going to be a good football player. I, I think people don't know that yet, how good he's going to be. I'm not, not taking anything away from Bud because I thought Bud was an outstanding uh, player, teammate. I agree with you 100%. And, 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 uh, but I think they got a guy here in Alex who's going to – people are going to know it. The secondary is going to be uh, – Coach Austin does a great job with those guys. Uh, you know, that that's a good, strong group uh, with uh, Minka and Joe. And, uh, you know, that's a good group in Cam and, and – you know, Terrell Edmonds and those guys that Terrell, they're, they're really good football players. Uh, uh, they've got a good group back there. They've got some depth back there. Uh, Justin Lane, I think they're looking for Justin to start coming along now. You know, Justin, uh, you're a heck of a special team player. Uh, and people always say, well, you know, how do they figure out who all makes the team? Well, the one guy, you know, we usually don't talk enough about maybe Coach Danny Smith because, you know, when at the end of the day, when things are even, you know, Coach Smith will make that call on, you know, who's the best special team player who can add to the special team. So a lot of times you, we don't factor enough into the how important those special teams are. Coach, I give them credit for, uh, you know, in a short amount of time, really addressing one of the issues on the defense, which was depth at outside linebacker and inside linebacker. And you signed Melvin Ingram, five-time Pro Bowler, yeah, he's had some knee issues, had a knee issue last year. The funny thing is it wasn't his bad knee that bothered him. It was the other knee. Um, you bring him in, you try and keep him healthy for a year with his knees. You get 20 snaps out of him a game maybe. But it now gives you a formidable veteran presence as a backup because you don't have that. Cassius Marsh came in last year, nice little backup. But a coach, he's on his seventh team in eight years. Um, that should tell you something. So you, you now have Melvin Ingram, and I agree with you. I think Alex Highsmith is going to be very good. Right now, he is ahead of where Bud was in his second year. Um, and, and he's on a very good path. And he's looked very, very good in training camp. So you bring in Melvin Ingram to, to be the next guy in on both sides. And then you go out and get Joe Schobert. You make a trade. You give up a six-round pick for a guy who's going to come in and be a starter. So it now improves your eleven. But it also allows Robert Spillane to go back to doing what he was intended to do, which is be a backup. So it not only strengthens your starters, it, it increases your depth because now he's a guy who's coming off the bench. Now you don't have to rely on Ulysses Gilbert. You don't have to rely on Marcus Allen, guys who just aren't proven in that role. So um, those two linebacker moves that they made in, this, in the past month are really big, big moves for them and, and really strengthen that whole linebacker position. And it kind of went – the thing that I found interesting, it went under the radar a little bit as it happened. You know what I mean? No one was really paying attention a whole lot when they got these guys. And I thought it was, you know, for you're getting Schober for a six-round pick. I mean, that's pretty darn good, I think, because uh, he's a good football player. You know, he's always around the ball. He makes a ton of tackles. Uh, good football player. I understand that, you know, they count on him to be the green dot guy which helps Devin a little bit because now he can focus on other things. I wanted to ask you about that, Coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, and they make it look like, well, they're going to give him the green dot as though that's a knock against Devin Bush. Mm -hmm. T.J. Watt, they gave him the green dot for about a game a couple years ago, 
And, you know, he was out of breath. It was a little too much for him, and they finally took it away from him. It's not some knock or some blight against the guy. It's just that Joe Sherbert, Sherbert has done it, and the Steelers believe it frees up to Devin Bush to not worry about that and to play more freely. And, and that's a big factor. You're right what you just said. You couldn't be more right spot on about that, Jerry, because, you know, there's just one thing they're taking off of his, his plate a little bit, okay? Hey, he can focus on other things. And, you know, Devin's going to be in there. You know, he's an every-down guy. You know what I mean? He's a guy that can run. He can cover. He can do a bunch of things. He's coming off an injury. You know, they want to get him right because he's a he's going to be a heck of a football player. Uh, they didn't, you know, it's a first-round pick. They traded up to get him. And I think this is this opportunity to get Schobert, I think, was just a brilliant move by Kevin for a six-round pick because uh, he's, a, he's a tackling machine, that guy, okay? And everybody knows it. He really is a good football player. But you've got a lot of really good football players on defense. And, um you know, it's going to be interesting, you know, with the, you know, with the development of Brooks. You know, how's he come along here again as he, he makes his move into this line? James Pierre. Who they that, like. Who, they, who you have to What do you admire. think? You like him, right? I liked him a lot. Uh, but he's a guy now that, um, you know, he's got a lot of the tools you're looking for, and, and he's somebody that will be playing a lot more. People in Pittsburgh, I don't think, realize how good he can be. This is a really solid defense. Uh, Coach Butler does a, has done a great job with them. You've got the, you know, anytime you have that, those guys up front who are, you know, just excellent players, and you've got some depth behind them. I mean, it's it's a really, really chance for the Steelers to be again very, very good on defense. Carl Dunbar, the, the coach of the D line, Coach Dunbar does a great job. Jerry O's been coaching linebackers forever. Done. Now, this is a very veteran staff of guys that know what they're doing, and uh, they know how to get, they know how to put great defenses together. Jerry Dulac and the coach Tom Bradley. We're at the North Shore Tavern. We're right across the street from PNC Park. We're here until 8 p.m. It's our final training camp show of the season, of the preseason. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with a whole lot more right after this. Don't you dare go away. You're listening to ESPN Pittsburgh. You're listening to the official voice of Black and Gold Nation, SNR. Well, Coach, in terms of significant players who haven't been practicing, we all know the situation with T.J. Watt. Uh, he's been at camp. He's been out on the field every day. He goes through conditioning and whatnot. But they haven't put him in any 11-on-11 stuff and in any one-on-one drills. Uh, they are waiting till they, he gets his contract situation resolved. We have not seen Stephon Tuitt do anything either aside from conditioning. Um, you know, they're just being um, – you know, cautious, careful with him. You know, he's had a tough offseason with the death of his brother. Um, he has not been out there. And Chase Claypool injured yesterday on the second-to-last play of practice. I was told it's just a low ankle sprain. It's no problem at all. He'll be out for a little bit, but he'll be perfectly fine. So uh, he wasn't out there today. I'm sure he won't play on um, Saturday against the Detroit Lions. The guy who has been back at practice Actually, looks pretty good. Benny Snell, the uh, who is likely going to be the number two running back. I fully expect it, even though Kalen Balaj, the guy they brought in in free agency, looks pretty good. Um, Benny Snell's been back out there, and, he, and he's looked good. So I think you'll see a lot more of Benny Snell uh, because he has not played in the first two preseason games. I think you'll see a lot more of him uh, against, uh, against the Detroit Lions. Uh, do you have any uh, – uh, are you curious about the whole situation with T.J. Watt? <laughs> no, not about him. I know this. When Tudor or Watt are back in there, that defense gets a lot better real quick, <laughs> okay, because those are two good players. I mean, T.J. 
you know, arguably might be the best outside linebacker in the NFL right now. And I, I, I get a he kick. He wants to be paid like it. I don't think he will be, but he wants to be paid. Like I, I get a kick out of I've been reading that he's been conditioning, and I'm thinking conditioning. The guy's as conditioned as you can be. You know what I mean? What he, what he conditioned, you know, he's a uh, he's as conditioned can be. You know, uh, uh, Coach Gamont, Gamont, uh or the strength coach does Garrett a great Gimont. job with Garrett. He does a great job with those guys. And I think TJ, uh, I, I was, people were asking me, was well, he out of shape? Is that why he's running the conditioning? No, he's just keeping busy. Probably, right, doing something. Doing right. something because, I mean, I don't think there's a day that TJ doesn't work out probably. So um, an impressive uh, player. And hopefully they get this thing worked out soon. I'm sure they will. Coach, we lose three starters from your defense. He's one of the best defenses in the league. And one of those players is Bud Dupree, an outside linebacker. Let's face it, in the 34 defense, those outside rushers are the key to the defense. So you better have good ones if you want to have a successful 34 defense. Even though I know we see a lot of sub-package football these days. But nonetheless, those are two, two, two key guys. So when you lose Bud right off the bat, it, you know, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But the good news, if there is, from that is that when he got hurt, was it allowed uh, Alex Highsmith to start the last four games, uh, pre regular season, one in the postseason, and give him some time to get acclimated because, man, as we were just saying a little bit earlier, it's really showing in training camp. He looks really, really good. He, I think he's a, a player that is not talked about as much in Pittsburgh, and people aren't sure. Because of T.J. Watt. Yeah, yeah, and they don't realize how good he's going to be, but Alex is going to be a very, very good football player. And I, I think he's someone that will, by the end of the season, people in Pittsburgh will know who he is. So you lose Steve Steve Nelson. <coughs> Excuse me. That was their of their own doing. Uh, they decided to release him. Uh, let's face it, Coach. There was no way they were going to be able to keep both cornerbacks at the salaries and the cap hit that they had with Steve Nelson and Joe Hayden. They had to make a decision, and they were they were going to keep Joe Hayden. They feel he's their best corner. He's a leader. He's a proven veteran. And so they let Steven Nelson go, and, and Steven Nelson's a good football player. But that was the hard decision they had to make based on the flattened salary cap. And then you lose Mike Hilton, which they knew they would leave, lose him too. They knew somebody would probably give him a good offer that they weren't willing to pay. And sure enough, the Cincinnati Bengals did. So you lose three starters. We called Mike Hilton a starter because he's the nickelback. Um, it's not an easy thing to replace. What do they do in the secondary or, or uh, you know, how do you replace those kinds of guys? Well, I think they've got the capabilities to do that. And, and you're exactly right. Uh, you know, Joe Hayden is one of the, the, the really the tremendous uh, people that I've met in this profession and been around. I mean, just a really, really special person. And uh, the whole secondary's got really good people. Coach Austin does a good job with them. You know, you got Minka. You know, Edmonds is a good football player. There's a lot of good football players. The guy that I've always uh, admired is Cam Sutton. Uh, you know, Cam, and I, he's like the Swiss Army knife. I mean, they call him that. He's like, he putty, he's everywhere. You put him in anywhere, he can play corner. He goes and plays nickel. He plays dive. He plays a little bit of everything. How, Coach? Because he's so smart? He's so smart. He can do it without the reps. I mean, he's really, really a smart player, and he knows everything that's going on. So, you know, when they get this nickel situation, I'm sure they're, you know, they've got Brooksy working in there and, and Arthur right now. But, you know, where they go with Cam is going to be intriguing to me because you're going to leave the corner. Do you bring maybe Justin Lane in and move Cam to nickel, um, you know, or do you go with a big nickel, little nickel type deal, you know, where, where 
what you're thinking. It's a, a the sub package might be something you're, you're well, it's a neutral situation. You bring it up a bigger guy maybe than Cam, and now what's a pass situation, Nick, where you do this. Um, you know, there's a lot of different variables that go into that. And thankfully, with a guy like Cam Sutton, who I think is a guy that can he can play any all three of them, gives you that opportunity. Now there's James Pierre, a guy that comes into the game. Uh, you know, how do they want to work that out? Um, you know, time will tell. But they have some good options back there. There's some really, really good football players uh, back in that secondary, and, and and guys that are you know not just good. There's some there's some great players in that secondary. So, Coach, they spent the entire time in training camp up to this point uh, keeping Cam Sutton at corner uh, to replace Steve Nelson, and they've looked at Antoine Brooks or Arthur Millette at at the uh, nickel, at the slot corner, and they wanted to see are they better with either Antoine Brooks or Arthur Millette at nickel than they are if they have to move Cam Sutton to nickel the, uh, then uh, and, and James uh, Justin Lane and James Pierre are at corner. Today, though, was the first day they brought Cam Sutton to the nickel because they know he can play it, but now they want to see how are they with James Pierre or Justin Lane on the corner. So they took a look at the other guys that way. Now they're going to go and take a look at the outside corners, the third corner, if you will, you know, who's going to step in for Cam Sutton when he comes into the slot. So it's all part of a process, and it's basically going to come down to is one is the Brooks or Millette better at nickel than James, than James Pierre or um, or uh, Justin Lane are as as the third corner as the outside and, corner, and that's going to be the decision. That's the one that one of the things that uh, I'm sure a lot of people will be watching closely how that turns out because that's really going to be an interesting decision what they do end up making uh, and when they do make it how they want to go with that because. Um, you know, I, I've always felt that um, th- one of the great things about Cam Sutton was just having him around was like a guy that could fill in three different places. You know, he could he could do it without practicing, as I said. And it's it's one of those things, you know, are you – you know, I've even uh, – some people have said that maybe they might even think about taking a little look at Joe Hayden, maybe a little bit at nickel. And, and here's why. Uh, maybe one thing about Joe is he's seen everything you can see at corner. I mean, what, what else can he see, you know? And maybe this is something else you might want to look at and say, hey, let's just take a look at another cover guy maybe inside. Uh, Coach, what what are the qualities you need to have to play nickel? One of the things that we saw Mike Hilton do was he was very effective along the line of scrimmage. He's a little guy, but he was a, he was a really good blitzer. He had great timing for that made plays behind the line of scrimmage, wasn't the greatest in coverage, um, but, you know, which seems strange for a, quote, cornerback that he was better along the line of scrimmage. But what qualities are you looking for in, in a nickel? Well, obviously, I think that's why we talked a little bit about that, first of all. And I know some people have gone to that. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit off the what you're asking me for this reason. Because that's why I said some people, like to me, would go with Mike Hilton. When I say big nickel, more of that run nickel guy, okay? Uh, little nickel, more of the Cam Sutton type pass uh, defense guy, okay? Uh, Cam is a better pass defender than Mike. Mike's a better blitzer than Cam, okay? Right, right. They're just different style players. So the, one of the things that you're, you're hoping to get out of that nickel, the thing that Mike Hilton gave you was how strong Mike was on the line of scrimmage. Mike did a great job on the line of scrimmage. And, and Mike, being a little shorter guy, sometimes would have trouble. He 
wouldn't get in front of a receiver. You know, he'd be behind him a little bit because he, you know, that wasn't his style of play. But now with 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 Antoine Brooks and those guys, Antoine's a guy that's really good around that football, and I think they want to see bigger how he covers. He's a bigger guy. So you know, do you do you go with? You know, is that a, a possibility? Is it Antoine? nickel in a situation maybe it's run pass hey it's cam sutton it's a pass situation you never know know, how they want to work that out and the other the other thing that cam gives you he can also play the dime too so there's going to be a lot of interesting um variables coming up in into that that situation it's a how they figure that out will be one of the keys as i believe they'll before they start the season which way they want to work this all because uh, they're obviously going to have to have that plan going into the open. So, Coach, they bring in uh, Joe Schobert, and that pushes um, Robert Spillane back to the top uh, top backup on, on the inside. Um, and so you have a rookie, Buddy Johnson, a fourth-round draft pick. Little raw, he's a rookie, and the coaches will tell you that. You know, he makes rookie mistakes. They still want to see more of him, but he's a fourth-round pick. They're not going to cut a fourth-round pick. So that, that puts two guys, Ulysses Gilbert III and or Marcus Allen, you know, if they keep nine linebackers, you know, maybe it's, it's probably going to be one of those guys. Who wins there or who might lose out there, in your opinion? Well, or what do you think they would might do, I, I should say? I'm, I'm, I'm a really, uh, uh, you know, knowing Marcus um, – one thing Marcus can do is he Marcus can play a lot of different places too. You know, Marcus gives you the opportunity to have a guy down inside that can you can is a pretty darn good pass defender because of his training in the right. secondary. Right. So I think Marcus would be the guy that, that gives you the most versatility um, of what you want to get done in there. There's just uh, he's the type of guy that you know been deep. Uh, made the transition as he came to the NFL to get in the box, get up around the ball. And he's not a, you know, he's done it. He's not a big guy. He's like about 211 now, I think, or something. Maybe he's a little bit bigger. I think it's, yeah, I think they listen like 218. 218 yeah. now. And so, um, you know, but Marcus is a guy that gives you a lot of versatility. And I think that's one of the things that, that um, Coach Butler likes to have the guys that you can maneuver in different places. Of course, this could come down to a Danny Smith decision, too, huh? <laughs> Who's better on we'll put a lot of pressure on Danny that's, tonight? That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know that's one of the things, and it is true. A lot of it, you know, Danny's got to make decisions. That who's best to help our the special teams are, as you say, the third. You know, it's offense, defense, special teams. So Danny's going to have a big say in that. In that, when that gets down to that time. Jerry Dulac and the coach Tom Bradley were at the North Shore Tavern across from PNC Park. It's our special training camp show. It's our last one of the preseason. We've been with you every weekday night, well, and some weekend nights uh, since the start of training camp. We're going to come back, take a break, and come back with our final segment of our final training camp show right after this. Black and gold football lives here. What a play! 24-7. You're listening to SNR. No significant injuries to uh, to report from camp. Uh, Chase Claypool, as you know by now, 
sustained a lower ankle sprain yesterday on the second to last play of uh, practice, uh, landing a little awkwardly on his uh, on his ankle, uh, trying to catch a sideline pass from Dwayne Haskins over Justin Lane. Was helped from the field by Ben Roethlisberger and Eric Ebron, which made it look worse than it actually was. But he will be fine. He is fine. Will be fine. And it is uh, they, uh, you know, they caught a little break there, if you will. But uh, unfortunately, there was no break. Uh, so he he will be fine. I doubt. Uh, I doubt he will play on Sunday. Troy Palomalo's here uh, in <laughs> here at the uh, North Shore Tavern. Coach, I will tell everybody if they come to the North Shore Tavern to get the scallops on the rocks. Well, they were great, weren't they? You had no trouble eating those, I noticed. Outstanding. In between, in between the broadcast. Uh, you're right. And um, uh, and we won't see Stefan Tua. We won't see T.J. Watt. Of course, we haven't seen them uh, even, even in uh, camp other than standing on the side. But in a short amount of time, they'll get those guys ready. But still, plenty of time uh, over three weeks before the start of the regular season, Coach. So um, that won't be an issue at, at all. Um, I wanted to ask you what it is about James Pierre, uh, an undrafted free agent last year, uh, made the team without any preseason games, and what it is they saw in him that they liked and continue to like that the point that it, as of right now, he is ahead of Justin Lane on a depth chart who typically or really doesn't make plays, and I say that, and then he actually had his first interception last week in Philadelphia, which was probably a good thing for him because it shows, uh, at least it showed that he made a play finally, and that was just something that's been lacking from his game. You know, with James, it's interesting because what he did just normally in a normal preseason would have been special, but in last year's preseason, the way it went was pretty unique for him to make the team. There's just so much upside on him, and I think Coach Austin sees that in him, that, and, and that's why he liked him. And, and I, you know, I, he's a guy that's going to keep getting better and better. Um, I'm happy for Justin because one of the things that you like about Justin, too, is he's a very good special team player. He's a good yes, gunner. He he's yeah. a very good gunner. And, and I think, you know, for him, all of a sudden, hopefully this all clicks in together. But I'm glad he got that first pick last week. So something as simple as that, uh, as that uh, enough to – get you a little confidence and t- turn things around for you? Sure. You know, it's like anything else. It, I think it's uh, he gets a little feel of some success there. He's, he's struggled at times on the perimeter, uh, but he's a guy that's got length. He can do a lot of different things for you. And as we said, he's a heck of a special team guy, which, you know, it's very important in the NFL. So maybe this is a, a little spark that gets things rolling for him. You know, you wonder sometimes, Coach, and look, we know the draft is an inexact science. We know that the guys that they take don't work out, and guys they don't take do work out in James Pierre. Uh, how does a guy like that kind of slip through the cracks and come in and, and look impressive enough that he not only wins a spot on the team, by the end of the season he has moved up ahead of uh, Justin Lane on the depth chart? But, you know, it's, it's crazy because it happens all the time. Yeah, you sure. go to college football. No, these guys are no stars come in and end up being, you know, first round draft picks. So it happens. Aaron it, Donald, it's Pitt, exactly. Akron and like Carnegie Mellon recruited. And that exactly. was it. Exactly. And, you know, so there's just it's such an unexact science and everybody tries to make it like when they rate them. And, and you know, it's it's interesting because 
one of the things you kind of learn through all of coaching is just, hey, you pick your own team. Don't let the media pick your team. Of course. And and I think that's something that you've got to have enough uh, confidence in your own abilities as you say, what what fits into to our football team? You know, and so there's sometimes you have guys that are just what they are. They're, they fit into your football team. You know, they make your team better. Um and they make the team better and in a lot of ways. You know, maybe it's not only playing, but in the locker room and how they go about their their efforts and, and their day-to-day that, that make things. You know, that's one of the reasons why they make that the football team. You know, Coach, you said something which uh, uh, I have thought that has been true for many, many years with the Steelers is they find the players to fit the way they play and they want to play. And that's why a lot of times you see the guys who have left the Steelers go on and not play so well and not have the same kind of career because, I, you know, I don't not, not necessarily saying they are system players, but they are Steelers system players and they do a good job of trying to find that player as opposed to saying, oh, that guy has a lot of ability. Look what he did in college. Let's take him. But it, whether he might not even work with their team, they're very good about that. Always happens. Tremendous about that. And I think one of the things, and I said this earlier in the show, and I learned this really early in my coaching career, was the best player on the team is the team. So, you know, some one of those guys is going to be, you know, he's going to be perfect for your team, but he might not be perfect for another team. So it, it's interesting how they work out. And they too try to find guys uh, that work well with your players, you know, because there is uh, – a lot of times in that locker room, you want guys that are good teammates, and, and that's what helps make you a better team. And and to that point, Coach, that's why I think the Cincinnati Bengals have to be very careful with Mike Hilton and how they use him because I think Mike Hilton is a perfect example of a system player. You know, he did one a certain thing very, very well, and if the Bengals bring him in and think he's going to go play on the outside and cover guys and lock down, and they got the wrong guy, and they gave, they spent a lot of money on Mike Hilton. But the, you you know, I think I, I'm amazed at at the, it's why, Coach. I think I could be an NFL GM because <laughs> okay. I look at the mistakes that these guys make, <laughs> and it just blows my mind. I'll let Kevin Colbert know. Okay. I I mean, when I see some of the decisions I'm they sure, make, I'm sure on the way home he's going to call you. So look, Jerry, Coach, what would you do? <laughs> okay. One thing I know is that I don't know things, but when I don't. I go ask the people who do know. So when somebody asks me, I, I know the answer. I would and agree so with what you just said. I don't think these said. GMs do that. I agree with you, what you just said about Mike Hill. Yeah. Because I think, you know, the way Coach Butler used Mike and he blitzed him and brought him off the edge and did certain things was the perfect style of play for Mike. I mean, that's what he did best. You know, Mike was good bringing a good tackler, a good blitzer, you know, good coming off the edge. You know, his cover skills were questionable at times. So if they're looking for a guy to come in and be a cover guy, that's not what he's going to be. No, that's exactly right. And so, you know, talking about James Pierre, undrafted free agent last year, when you look, somebody asked me today, how many undrafted free agents you'll, you think make the team? Well, I don't think many, uh, but I do think maybe one. And I think that's Shaq Brown. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> okay. that's, you know, the guy from Michigan State. Right. That was a guy who had some draft value, and it was surprising to many that he didn't get picked. Um, you know, one of the th- knocks against Trey Norwood, who ended up going where sixth or seventh round out of Oklahoma, was his speed. Uh, he's just not a guy who has great speed, but that doesn't mean he's not a football player. And he has, you know, good instincts and good, good ball awareness, but he doesn't have that blazing speed. So 
his stock drop uh, drops. Now, I'm not exactly sure what it was with Shaq Brown. I'm going to guess that. But I think he has a chance to make this team because they like what they see from Shaq Brown. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because, uh, you know, one time someone was talking about all these different things and they, they ran these 40 times and all this stuff. And the player put his hand up and said, Coach, are we going to uh, run track or play football? <laughs> so it, it's totally different. And sometimes I think the, as you evaluate, you you take uh, – you don't put as put everything, you put it together and you kind of figure what really is uh, the important things about evaluating that player. And you know, very rarely do you ever in football just get down and put your hand on the ground and run 40 yards. I mean – just don't. So, you know, there's an example. That's why I never understand. Why do they have the offensive linemen run to 40 at the combine? I get the shuttle and all that other stuff. For why, sure. You know? Yeah, probably the 10. You should just run the 10 maybe. But, I mean, it's an interesting because as you look at it, um, you know, some guys play a lot faster than their times because of what their reaction and their thought process and mental, mentally how they can react and see things, a vision, um, a lot of different things and how they communicate can help too. And so they play faster than what their times might be. And I think that's where people miss times because a lot of people are saying, well, they, it's, you're just doing it because, well, uh, well, he ran this, he did this, we got to take him. Well, that's, that's not all. And I think that's the one thing Kevin Colbert and, and Coach Tomlin do a great job of. It's the whole thing. They look at the whole package. And I think one of the things they do spend a lot of time is the interview process. Getting to There's know no that, question. That's big for them. You know, Coach, I mean, look at me. You know, I don't – test very well in the SAT, <laughs> but I'm a very smart guy. I'm a highly intelligent guy, wow. but I might Whoa. not test very well on the SAT. That's my 40-yard dash. So my time might be a little lacking, but that doesn't mean I'm not out there. I'm not going to ask you how you did on the SATs because you're not going to tell me the truth. You're probably right about I, that. I know you're not. Yeah, you're going to make something. You're going to make something. It was okay. I just tell you that I was a dean's <laughs> list at Penn State, which you that. <laughs> so, I, I know you so, are. What the heck? I know, and you're not bragging about that I'm either, because you're sitting there going whoop de doo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and what's the uh, what's the uh, recognition or honor in that? Correct. <laughs> For sure. Um. So, Minka Fitzpatrick. We talked about the corner. We talked about the slot guys. Minka Fitzpatrick was a missing piece in that secondary. Joe Hayden started the process uh, when they brought him in. And, you know, when they brought in, when they signed Steve Nelson to the biggest contract they've ever given in free agency, that really helped. Minka was the missing piece. He's due next year for the contract extension. It's going to be a lot of money tied up in two guys because they won't let, unlike the Pirates, they don't let their key guys <laughs> get away. They, well, they sign their core players. They keep them. And then they fill in around them. Well, and they're not going to let Mink is easy away. to evaluate. He's the best free safety in the NFL. Okay, period. Go from there. He's he's got a lot. He's he's you, you got to have Mink on your team. Coach, everybody wants to. You know, they ask they ask Keith Butler. You know, well, are you going to use them more this year? They're going to ask Minka. You know, do you want to do more different things? That will you put them here, line them here? Um, you know, it, because they saw that with Troy Polamalu. Well, one Troy Polamalu was a special cat, but two. That sounds nice, and you see him make plays, but a lot of times, you know, he gets out of position, and the other guys have to cover for him, and sometimes it creates more problems than it's worth. What do you do with Minka? And do you see them doing anything, anything a whole lot different? Maybe just a little bit to give some different reads for him. But, boy, I just think he's so good in the middle of the defense, what he can do and all the, the skills that he does have. Uh, it's You know, sometimes you can outsmart yourself, too. You know, a <laughs> guy doing something, he's not as good as, as where you had him. 
So I, I think what they do with Mink is just about perfect. If they want to add a wrinkle, great. But, boy, he's, he's just too darn good of a player. And, you know, it's it's no different than any, you know, you talk about you got to be good up the middle in baseball and you got to be good up the middle in football too, right? Yeah, and he has really strengthened the, the middle of that defense. And, um, you know, when you look at um, – uh, when you look at bringing Devin Bush in, moving up in the draft and getting him for the middle of their defense, and that, and of course, and you, you add Mika Fitzpatrick. Now, when you're strong up the middle like that, makes a big difference in that defense. It, it sure does. And I'm, you know, I'm really I'm, I'm hoping that Devin gets back, the injury gets it behind him and gets going again because he has a chance to be a, a, a special football player. Yeah, and usually, Coach, I mean, you know, when he, you know, he first of all, after he suffered the ACL injury, which was what, like week five, I think, four or five, he didn't get it done for like a month because the doctor who did it, Dr. Neil Alatrash, who's a Pittsburgh guy, it was in L.A., he, he's the Dodgers team physician. Correct. And so he was busy with the run to the World Series. So Devin Bush had to wait almost, I believe, like a month, maybe a little longer, to have, the, to have his ACL surgery. And I'm thinking – Wait a minute, you're putting his recovery time back. But he recovered nicely. He was given the clean bill of health for the start of training camp. Didn't uh, didn't start on the pup list. But that doesn't mean he's going to be Devin Bush 100% right away. It takes a little more time. It sometimes. takes just the time getting back to playing. He may right. be cleared 100%, everything, go ahead and go. Right. But there's a little bit of give and take with that knee. There's a, if anybody's been through a knee operation like some people have, like I'm me sure, right like you. now, I'm curious how you're going to come back from this. this I'm going to find out tomorrow. I'm, I'm really, are you playing tomorrow? No, no I'm going to see, see my doctor. Okay. We're going to see know. your doctor who I yes. know. And he yeah. gives you the clean. How do you think that's going to affect your golf game? I'm curious. Will this, will you be able to still hit as long as you've been hit? Well, all I can tell you is that while I was hobbling and knew it was bothering me, it would have bothered me. I, I could feel it then, which I don't now. Um, it didn't bother me, surprisingly. Uh, I know mentally it did, and then I knew it was there. But I can't tell you that it bothered me. But so I am curious. Will you still be hitting now, those bombs? Will you not, still be hitting bombs off the tee? What I'll, what I'll be curious about is just the same thing with the players. I know it's better. I don't want, I, Can yeah. I set it back? That's what will be in my mind. But the other way, I knew, okay, it's hurting me. I'm going to have it fixed. I'm not going to damage it anymore, but it's already damaged. Whereas now it's fixed. And so I th- I'll mentally be thinking, okay, well, I don't want to do something. Will to you set start it back. slow? Will you start at the? Uh, oh yeah, nine like, holes. Nine holes where? Like a a, a public course maybe? Or, all my not, fa- all my favorite clubs. You're not going right to Oakmont, are you? No, you're I'm not, not going, going to Oakmont. Okay. No. Um, but I've missed out on some good opportunities totally. while I've been sidelined. Well, everybody asked you to go when you hurt. Yes, you? exactly. Oh, hey, you know you couldn't play. Sure. Double dip they at, didn't really mean it. Double you know dip that. at Oakmont. You know Laurel they didn't Valley. mean it. Right. Right. So. But, no, I'll take it easy, but I will be back out there as soon as he gives me the go-ahead, like Devin Bush. Oh, boy. Like, you know? I, hope, I hope Devin works out better than, than, your, <laughs> than your goal. I'm curious to see how it's going to work out, Coach. Well, the Steelers uh, play at home. It's their third preseason game. It's Saturday night uh, at Heinz Field against the Detroit Lions. Ben Roethlisberger will make his first appearance of the preseason. Cam Hayward uh, uh, will make his appearance in that game. Uh, I think uh, just about everybody else has played a little bit. Juju played last week. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see Najee Harris again. I think you'll see him a little bit more for the home crowd too. Uh, Coach, always good being with you. We will resume being together uh, for Monday Night Quarterback once the season starts. That's our final training camp show of the season from uh, the North Shore Tavern. For the Coach Tom Bradley, for Jacob here on site, on site Brian in the studio, I'm Jerry Dulac. 
You've been listening to ESPN Pittsburgh. Good night, everyone. Black and gold football lives here 24-7. You're listening to SNR.